Amen. Is victory yours today? All right. I'm going to say that again. Is victory yours today? Amen. After these meetings, you should have complete, total victory. Amen. How many loves the Lord this evening? Let's just go to the Lord in prayer before we turn into the Word. Gracious, eternal Father, we are so grateful and so thankful for the victories that you have wrought in our lives. Lord, truly we are a people that are blessed. Blessed to know you as our God. Blessed to have you as our God. And blessed to be your children, Lord. And we just ask, Lord, tonight that you would once again come by our way. Lord, and just begin to minister to every heart, every life, every need that would be represented tonight. Lord, as we've seen a great outpouring of your spirit this past week, we believe tonight that you're the very same God. Lord, so there's no fear tonight of following up those great meetings. We're here to, on a, according to your word, just to be able to get ourselves out of the way and speak freely. But we know that you're the speaker, Father. And I'm asking, Lord, tonight that you would come and do just that. Speak to your people. I ask that you would get Joe Adams out of the way and allow the Spirit of God to move freely. Get our humanities out of the way and allow us to receive from the Word tonight. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We want to make, Lord, good use of our time tonight that you would give us. We pray that you would just bless us now in your presence. For we ask it in Jesus' name. As you take your Bibles tonight and start turning to Leviticus 26. I just got a few opening comments that I'd like to make, if that's okay, this evening. Just want to, first of all, I want to thank, uh, want to thank Brother Tim for his burden for putting these meetings on. Many of us maybe not know that there's a, there's a great deal of, of resources and finances and hearts, and I wouldn't say hardships, but just... It just there's a lot that goes into hosting a meeting and hosting ministers and having people stay and have to make sure they're entertained all day every day. So I want to thank Brother Tim for that because he did it for us, and I can truly say we were blessed. At least I know for the Adams family we were tremendously blessed. And as many as I watched many of your faces over the week, over the the days of the services, I could tell that you too were blessed. So let's just give Brother Tim a hand of applause tonight. Amen. And also, I, I know many of you know that, that, that we had 10 extra people staying at my house. And I want to say thank you to each and every one of you that prepared the meal and dropped it off. Because there was, I'm telling you, there's no way my wife could have done it all by herself. So, yeah, that's what we're going to start doing here shortly. Stomping on some devils. So, uh, so I want to say thank you from my heart, from Jessica's heart, from the Adams family. Thank you for everybody that prepared the meal. I think it was Thursday. She sent me a text and said, Joe, we fed 40 people at lunch today. So, and, and it wasn't that she did it. it. She did it with your help. So I say thank you for that. And uh, I also want to say, you know, these meetings to me, they were, they were beyond supernatural. They were special. And they, to me, they eclipsed, as Brother Tim and I were talking earlier, they eclipsed, not that last year's meetings wasn't any good, but these just seem to have a special place. Maybe because they're the, they're the freshest on our minds, but I can tell you, I was truly blessed. And I would, having that we had people at our house all week, we had uh, a group start that came in on last Sunday, so before service, Brother Tim walks to the back office, he says, okay, one of you boys is preaching next week. 
And he looked at Aaron, he looked at me, and he said, Joe, your name was mentioned. I'm like, oh, great. I got a house full of people. So I say that to say that I was up at 4.30 and 5 o'clock every morning of these meetings, staying up till 12, 1, to host these the families that were staying with us, not to be a bad host. Some evenings I did go to bed a little bit early, but as I was studying on a thought that I thought went exactly in line with these meetings, uh, I got a call on Wednesday, but let me preface this before. Friday night, I stayed back and lingered, me and Brother Craig, and we had prayed for several people. Sister Bethany walked up and asked for prayer. She said there was something that she had gotten in, and I'll let her tell this at the end of the service. I said, well, we prayed. And I said, I want you to call me after you go to your doctor's appointment on Monday. So she called me at 3 o'clock on Monday <clears throat> and was telling me the report. And from that moment, after I hung up the phone, the Lord completely changed my thought for tonight. Now, I want you to know, I don't have 8, 9, 10, 11 hours a day to study. But the Lord dropped the thought down for this service tonight. So I believe we're not going to hear from Joe Adams. At least that's what I'm believing but we're going to hear from the Lord because I believe he has something special for us tonight, especially to follow up these meetings. Many people would ask, well, are you worried about following up these meetings? I'm not worried about following up these meetings because he's God. Yeah. If I can do my part to get out of the way and you can do your part to get out of the way, he'll do his part to come down and minister. Yeah. So you believe that this evening? Let's take our Bibles now then and, and get in here in Leviticus 26. We're going to read verse 1 through verse 13, and as you're turning there, I do want to say one last comment. How many of you appreciate our youth and our adult choirs? Didn't they just set an atmosphere for the services? <clears throat> I mean, we've seen God just drop down and that anointing just drop down. Look, church, that's, that can be every service. We don't have to have special meetings to have the presence of God. We should come expecting that same presence to come every service. We see here in Leviticus 26... In verse 1, it says, You shall not make no idols, nor graven image, nor rear up, nor rear you up a standing image. Neither shall you set up any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbath and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, notice now, listen to the promise. Then I will give you rain in due season, and the, land sh and, and the land shall increase her increase, or yield her increase. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and your threshing shall reach unto the vintage. And the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time. And you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. And I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will rid evil beasts out of your land, neither shall the sword <clears throat> go through your land. And you shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. And five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. And your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. For I will have respect unto you and make you fruitful and multiply you and establish my covenant with you. And you shall eat old store. Otherwise, you shall eat old store. What he's saying is that old is still good. There's nothing wrong with it. And bring forth the old because of the new. And I will set my tabernacle among you and my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you and I will be your God and you shall be my people. 
I am the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their bondman. Notice, he doesn't want you to be the devil's bondman. I have broken the bands of your yoke, and I made you go upright. Amen. I want to speak to you tonight on refuse to retreat. You can have your seats. You say, Brother Joe, how do you get that text from this reading? <clears throat> As Brother Ron ministered his first service on the hurt will not stop the music. At some point during the service, he made a comment that you had to refuse to, the re to retreat. And for many years, I had on my heart to preach a message, no retreat or no surrender or refuse to retreat or something along those lines. But, you know, I, I start studying and it just kind of falls to the wayside and start studying. Nothing would come. But like I said, the other day, Monday, in my office, I shut my door after I got off the phone with Sister Bethany. And for the next two hours, and I hope nobody from work is listening tonight, but for the next two hours, the Lord gave me this thought and it just flooded in like this. And so, but the word refuse there means to express an unwillingness to do or to comply with. So it's to express an unwillingness to comply with. And the word retreat means a process of receding from a position or a state that was attained. And I believe, and it also means a withdra to withdraw, especially from what is difficult, dangerous, or disagreeable. And I can believe tonight for each of us that are here as the Lord would give me this thought after these meetings that we had just come out of, and we can all testify that they were great meetings, and we, we felt the presence of God, and, and many of us, were, we received something this weekend. Some of you, your borders increased over the weekend. Some of you, you, got, you received healing that you'd been longing for or deliverance that you'd been seeking after, but I want you to know you got to have not only your mind made up, but you got to have your heart made up that I'm going to refuse to retreat. I'm going to go in tonight with an unwillingness to give up anything that I gained over the weekend. I'm determined tonight to go further, to go deeper, to continue to press the battle stronger, more fervent, more on fire for God than I did before these meetings. I'm not giving up an inch of ground. I'm not giving up on my healing. I'm not giving up on my lost loved one. I'm not giving up on the promises of God. I'm pressing the battle. I refuse tonight to retreat anything that I received from the weekend's meeting. We got to express tonight as the bride of Christ an unwillingness to give up land. Many times when we face the enemy after special meetings, we get beat down. And we get beat down and we get beat down and we get beat down and we find that we start to relinquish a little bit of ground because when we relinquish a little bit of ground that he, he eases up on the battle. This is no time to ease up. This is a time to put your foot on the gas and let's go harder, faster, stronger than we have ever. And I will say like this, no matter what the, your attacks have been, there's no retreating tonight. You cannot digress from what happened this past week. We can only climb higher and higher and higher into the heights of God, into the depth of God's word, into the realities that he is a healer and that he is a deliverer and that he is a savior. Do you believe that? 
And I believe the Lord did mighty, mighty acts this weekend. As I sat here and looked upon your faces, and I just seen it as the Spirit of God moves. Some of you that have never moved before, maybe because you were reserved, or maybe you was afraid of what people think. I saw that that, that unreservedness just vanquished away, and you begin to dance in the Spirit. You begin to shout and worship and praise God like you've never done before. And I tell you, I encourage you. That's okay. Because God was bringing victory. And when you get victory like Miriam was, Miriam looked back across that Red Sea and she saw every taskmaster that struck her, every taskmaster that talked down to her, every taskmaster that said, you'll never make it out of Egypt. You're always going to be a slave. She looked back and saw every one of them drowned in the sea. Oh, she had a reason to dance. And I want you to know tonight, even like Tabernacle, you got a reason to dance tonight. You got a reason to praise God tonight. You got a reason to Shout the hallelujah tonight. Because why? Because your taskmaster is drowning to the sea. But you got to have your heart made up. I refuse to retreat. I refuse to give up ground. I refuse to relinquish my healing. I refuse to relinquish the promise that God blessed upon me this past weekend. We find here, I'll be the first to use that. Y'all didn't know it was there, did you? I'm just kidding. But we realize we're living in a dark age, correct? We're living in a dark age, and we know that the enemy is pursuing us. And the prophet of God will say, every gun in hell is trained on you. Not just pointed on you, but trained on you. Otherwise, it knows your tactics. He knows you better than you know you. He knows your weakness. When you think you're strong, he knows where you're weak. He knows where you're vulnerable. And so he's got every gun in hell trained on you. The prophet of God will say it like in the second hand of robe. He says, and I realize that every time faith sets itself up, the devil turns every gun in hell right on it. And we've seen the expression of faith this past week. But yet, I want you to know, even like, that the devil has every gun in hell trained on that to see if you really believe what you claim to have gotten this past week. Therefore, you can't relinquish what you have. You got to keep your soul, brother, I don't feel it. It ain't based on how you feel. It's based on what God promised you and what God gave you. And God visited us this past weekend. We find in Revelation 9... In verse 1, it says that the fifth angel sounded. If you give me just a little bit more volume up here, if you don't mind. I've been fighting a cold, and I don't want to lose my voice if I can help it. So the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star from heaven falling to the earth, and the hymn was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. So we notice that darkness filled the face of the earth because of this, this, this opening of the bottomless pit. And we find also in Revelation 9 and verse 13 that when the sixth angel sounded, I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound in the river Euphrates. And in verse 16, in the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000, thousand, and I heard the number of them. So we realized that not only was the bottomless pit opened up, 
and there rose a smoke out of it. But yet we realize that the four angels or the, 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 yeah, the four angels that guarded the river Euphrates, they were unloosed, and out of that river came 200,000, thousand demons. And the prophet of God would tell us, those are not natural horses. They breathe fire. They had breastplates of jasper, and they had tails. The end of their tail looked like a serpent and a snake's head at the end. And, and, and it was stinging. It was a spiritual horses, spiritual devils, chargers that had been bound in the river Euphrates all these years. He would call them supernatural devils. And notice, they were unleashed on the Jews to persecute your Jews in a natural sense, but they're unleashed on the bride to persecute you in an ecclesiastical sense. But the prophet of God will make a statement. Just as these thousands of thousands of horsemen were bound up in the river Euphrates, he said the Holy Ghost has been bound up through the church ages, but it's going to be liberated at the end. Oh, I'm going to tell you, when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises up a standard. Oh, and he's unleashed the power of the Holy Ghost unto you and I today. That's the standard that God is raising up to combat the enemies that are unleashed upon us, to stuff it out and to kill your experience with God. So we look and we find what has been unleashed on us today, and, and we find there's depression, there's anxiety, there's fear, rebellion, complexes, lust. Notice, there's never been an age where people, the masters, are on some kind of antidepressant medication. Look, church, everybody's insane but us. Now you can look at your neighbor and say, hallelujah. Everybody out there, as our brother said, and you get up here to sing, he said, We're, y'all are nuts. No, you go look out there. They're the ones that's nuts. But we find, we face these things, depression and anxiety and fear. And many times you don't realize that you face these things daily and you overcome daily and you never even knew it. But Rob said you, you run headlong into these demons every day. And sometimes you don't even, you're not even aware of it. So there's times, though, that we do encounter some of these spirits. And some of them want to get into a wrestling match with you. Some of you for eight years. Some of you for months, weeks, years. And it seems like this battle just gets intense and more intense and more intense. But it's while the battle intensifies that you got to know where you stand. And you got to know what you're standing on. You're not standing on the creeds of dogmas of intellectual theology, but you're standing on thus saith the Lord, an immovable word, an unchangeable God, and his word will never fail. Heavens and earth will pass away, but the word of God will never fail. But it will, church, accomplish that which it was purposed. And that's where we as the bride must stand on the word of God. We got nothing else to stand on. You can't stand on my marriage, Brother Tim's marriage, or your favorite preacher's marriage. You got to stand on the word of God. That's the ground that we stand on. All of the ground is seeking sands. But when you're facing that battle, you got to stand on the promise, stand on the word of God. And when you recognize your position as a son and daughter of God, then you recognize you can't lose. Oh, when you recognize I am a son, I am a daughter of God, then that puts a charge in you. I refuse to retreat. I refuse to give up ground. I know who I am. I know what I'm standing on. I know God has called me. God has chosen me. And God's elected me. And God has predestinated me for this moment. Acts 1 and verse 8. Notice. It's in this hour 
And it's in this age that the Holy Ghost has been released and the full word has been restored. Amen. The full word. And it, it, I love the way Brother Donnie, he brought it, and excuse me for not catching it any time before then, but I finally saw that 20 to 30 year gap between the first church age or the, the Pentecost and the first church age. And God is calling us back to that. He's not calling us back to the Ephesian church. He's calling us back to the upper room experience. Oh, it just so lit my fire that I'm going back to that. The same signs, the same wonders, the same healings, the same deliverance, the same raising of the dead. That's what we're going back to, church. Not a church that was aimed at and fell away, but no, we're going back to the original. Ooh, that just excited me. And the same Holy Ghost that the church ages is bound up for so many years. It's been unleashed on you and I today in this hour. That's why we can call it the bride age. Just as it was a bride in that age, it's the bride in this age. We find here in Acts 1 it says, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be a witness unto me in both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So we realize, church, God has given you a power. That power is to destroy every evil influence. That power is to defeat every wicked spirit of the enemy that will come against you. You have been given power, and you have been given authority, and you have been given courage to not retreat. Luke 10 and verse 17, it says, and the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Oh, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through thy name. Notice Jesus' reply. He says, Now, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. See, Satan fell from heaven like lightning. The expression means that I saw at your commands the devils immediately depart like lightning. At your commands. What did we find this weekend at your commands? We found the devil's chain. We found his grip on many of our lives had been broken off like lightning, just like that. It wasn't something we had to tear over and tear over and tear over. No, we seen the, some of you that have been bound for years and years. You started walking through a prayer line, and the power of God came down. And it looked like Satan. He fell as lightning to me. That at your commands, he left just like that. What we witnessed this past weekend was the supernatural. Because we are a supernatural people. So now God is telling us. We look here. In verse 19 it says. Behold I give unto you power. You know when I get down and out. I come to these scriptures. Because I want to know what my possession is. What my promise is. So I look up here and he says. Behold I give unto you Joe Adams. I give unto you even like tabernacle. I give unto you power to tread on serpents. And scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy. Don't just read over that quickly. Realize what he's saying. I've given you my power over every power of the enemy. No matter what you face in this hour, if you're facing depression, if you're facing anxiety, if you're facing fears and sugar diabetes and high blood pressure or whatever it may be, heart trouble, lung trouble, it doesn't matter. I give you power over scorpions and serpents and over all the power of the enemy. Oh, you like tabernacle, you can't lose. 
You can't lose. But you got to refuse to retreat. Many of you were set free this weekend. But not only were you set free, God has given you a power to stay free. But you got to refuse to walk away. You got to refuse to listen to the lie of the enemy. And you got to refuse to compromise on the word. See, this is, time, this is the time that we need to press the battle. This is a time that we can't just sit back on our laurels and just rest on what we got last week. Oh, last week was good. There was an outpouring, but there's more of it. Like the black man would say, hey, when he had a bite of watermelon, he says, oh, this is good, but it got to be more of it. Come on, church, there's got to be more of it. Hey, did you enjoy what you got last week? I'm going to tell you, there's more of it. He's still God tonight. He'll be God Sunday. He'll be God for you tomorrow. You don't have to be in the church to receive the blessings of God. Brother Bannon would say it like this in the rejected king. He says, whether the planes are rocking, whether the lightning is a flash, and whether the spies has a gun on me, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. I'm going to press the battle by the grace of God while I preach the gospel to every creature and every person that I can, persuading them to that beautiful land yonder. Oh, church, every gun in hell is trained on you, but press the battle. I'm telling you, Sister Jeannie, press the battle tonight. Oh, it's time we put our dancing shoes on. Oh, Brother Joe, you need to calm down now. Just because you did it a couple times this weekend don't mean we all got to. Hey, why don't you try it sometime? We were sitting in the back, and I can't remember who it was. Uh, One of the brothers, he said, I can't remember who was that we were talking to. Well, you don't know nothing. I said, man, you just need to get up and dance a little bit. He says, well, I need to. Oh, it was Brother Vigo. It was at my house. We were talking about it. That's exactly why you didn't know. <laughs> See, I've gotten very little sleep over the week, so my places have all ran together. It was in my living room. Sorry about accusing you, brothers. I'm sorry. But we were talking about it. He goes, oh, I wish I could just get free like that. I said, you can. You got to make a choice. I said, when you feel that urge, you got to make a choice. I said, why don't you just put your dancing shoes on? He says, well, I may need to borrow yours. I said, no, you don't take yours and take them back to Norway. He said, if I take mine to Norway, they probably have to find me a new church. (laughs) Oh, but it's okay. I'm not telling us to get fanatical. But you know what? When we got crazies out there going to ball games and this, that, and the other, and they're taking their shirts off and painting themselves up and doing all kind of crazy stuff and hooting and hollering and carrying on, and some of them probably kicked their shoes off, what can we do about Jehovah God? How should we be able to worship this guy when he reached down and picked you up, when he saved you from a life of sin, when he's healing your body, and he's saving your life, and he's delivering you from the torment? I say we got a reason to shout. we got a reason to pray. we got a reason to dance in the glory of God because he's still God. It's okay to worship him. But about says, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, of old, we're not going to bow. We're not going to bow to the devils of this world and take back this thing that we talked about, but we're going to press the battle. What about it, even light? Are you going to press the battle? All right. Deuteronomy 28. In verse 7, the Lord shall cause thy enemies. I just love this. The Lord shall call thy enemies 
to rise up against thee to be smitten. Why do I face these demons every day? Because he causes the enemies, your enemies, to rise up against you so they can be smitten. So that they can be smitten, not so they can smite you. Recognize who you are, church. Recognize he's given you the power over all the power of the enemy. So when your enemy comes in to rise up against you, he's raising them up so you can smite them down. Come on now. He says, listen now, he says, and they shall come against you one way, but flee before you seven ways. Oh, we had some great meetings this weekend, and them devils came in one way. But let me tell you, when the power of God kept falling, they kept splitting up. Seven ways they left. Do you know there's seven entrances to this church? One out front, two right there, two back there, one out the fellowship hall. Man, you brought them devils with you, but they went fleeing. Seven ways. Oh, this past weekend, we've seen a mighty outpouring of God. He says in the Lord, verse 8, and the Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses. And in all that thou settest thy hand unto, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Notice, in the storehouse, in the church, in the congregation. So we found that God blessed us last week in the storehouse, in the church, in the sanctuary. He poured out his blessing. But you got to make your mind up. I refuse to receive my blessings that I received. I believe God touched me. I believe God healed me. I believe God delivered me. I believe God's going after my lost loved one. I'm not going to receive that. I'm not going to give that up. I'm going to keep holding God at his word. I'm going to keep holding on to the promise of God. The Lord shall establish thee and holy people unto himself. As he has sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord God and walk in his ways, and all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by my name of the, or by the name of the Lord, and shall, they, they shall be afraid of thee. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods. Oh, there you go, even light. You ain't got to be the pauper. No, he says, I'll make thee plenteous and good and the fruit of thy body and in the fruit of thy cattle and in the fruit of thy grounds and in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give. Notice he declared us to be plenteous. Quit having that old slave mentality that you're always going to be a slave. You're never going to amount to anything. I'm telling you what God is telling you tonight, that you are a blessed people tonight. You don't have to be with the spirit, uh, a uh, slave mentality and always beat down and beat down. He's telling you, I will make you plenteous. I will make the fruit of your body bring forth life tonight, church. He's the same God. He'll make the barren woman give forth life. Do you believe it, church? I just can't help but to believe it. He's saying that he will cause you to bring forth life and that your body will bring forth fruit. And also, he will bless the fruit of thy ground, your occupation, whatever it is that we know we work by the sweat of our brow. But by your hand, he will bless your endeavors. We are a blessed people. Verse 12, he said, the Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure. Boy, y'all are quiet on that. His good treasure. He didn't say he's going to give you about a box of rattlesnakes. No, but God is pouring.
pouring out his good treasure. We've met this past weekend. Jehovah Jireh came on the scene. Jehovah Shammah showed up for service. Jehovah Shalom brought a peace that surpasses understanding. Let me tell you, he showed up. And what was he doing? Pouring out his blessings upon the people. He opened up his treasures upon us. Upon even the light tabernacle. That's why some of you who never danced felt something to move your feet. Just over here, right over there, there was two of them dancing around in a circle. Oh, church, it's all right. God was pouring out his blessing. Well, Brother Joe, I didn't feel anything. Well, change your attitude and you will next time. I don't mean to be ugly about that, but sometimes we come in here and we blame God for not moving. No, you need to change your attitude. God poured out his blessing all across this church this past week. Opened up his treasure and said, come on, even like Tabitha. Come on, my bride. Whatever you have need of, I'm going to pour it out. You need healing, here it is. You need deliverance, here it is. You need salvation, pour it out to you. Whatever it is, you need joy unspeakable, I'm pouring it out. You want to dance in the spirit of God, I'm pouring it out. You want to shout and worship God, I'm pouring it out on you. Opened up his treasures to us. And don't you think for a minute that God didn't visit us this week? Well, I just think that you just got in the flesh, Brother Joe. You're exactly right, I did. Got in the flesh, got in my car, and came to church. Got in the flesh, got out of my car, and sat right back there. And as the music was stumping, I started beating my foot. And when they started singing Waymaker, let me tell you, he is a Waymaker. Oh, he's a miracle worker. He's an old-time God. And all you got to do is, Sister Jessica, speak his name. Oh, watch demons speak, uh, flee. Speak his name and watch God move on the scene. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Oh, church, if you just let God arise tonight, your enemies that you face, you'll face them no more, now and forever. Because he's still God tonight. He's still a healer tonight. He's still a deliverer tonight. Verse 13, the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. Oh, thank God. He will make you the head and not the tail, that thou shalt be above only. And not beneath. What is he saying? You're going to be superior. Oh, quit thinking that you're the tail. I had it in my notes, but I erased it. Because, you know, you look at a tail on a dog, all it does is wag, 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 wag. Like, what in the world is it used for a tail? And sometimes that's how we feel. What use am I? But he said, you're the head, not the wag. I said, you're the head. That word head means chief. That means you're the supreme. God is telling you, he's placing, he's showing you where you are. He, God is showing you what he thinks of you, not what you think of you. You think of yourself as a tail. God thinks of you as the head. He says, you're from above only. You never were from beneath. You always was in the back part of my mind. You was in the very image of God. How can you be from beneath when God saw you and pre-planned your coming, church? You're the head and not the tail. The Bible would say that you're blessed and highly favored 
of the Lord. <coughs> Blessed and highly favored. Well, I don't really feel favored right now. Well, you should. You should. What God poured out this past weekend, I don't care if you had the worst day ever, you should feel that God has blessed you and that you're highly favored because he didn't have to come, but he did. He didn't have to deliver, but he did. He didn't have to save. You said, Brother Joe, I didn't see anybody get saved. That's because you're looking to the natural. I'm looking beyond the natural. I'm looking to the word, the promise going forth and saving the lost lovers and bringing the prodigals back to the house of God. I'm not looking at the here and now. I'm looking at the promise of God. Because we spoke it in his name. And when you speak it in his name, let me tell you, church, it's going to happen. He says, whatsoever you ask the Father, in my name, I will do it. That's God Almighty. That's your promise. Hang your soul on that word there. And don't relinquish and refuse to retreat off of it. In Joshua 23 and verse 10, it says, one man of you shall chase a thousand. How many is ready to chase? Oh, that was weak. Come on, how many of you ready to chase a thousand? One man of you shall chase a thousand. Listen, why? For the Lord your God, it is he that fighteth for you. Oh, the battle don't belong to you. The battle belongs to God. And if you give that battle over to the Lord, church, he'll defeat every foe. He'll defeat every enemy. No matter what you come against, our God is greater. Oh, that devil may be too big for you, but he's not too big for our God. I think about Gideon here. Can I go a little bit further? I'm not going to preach very long tonight because I think we got something special in store. <clears throat> Gideon here we find in verse 12 the angel of the Lord appeared unto him this is in uh, Judges 6 verse 12 the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him the Lord is with thee thou mighty man of valor notice Gideon was hiding out threshing wheat in a wine press because he was afraid and he was scared but notice what God spoke to him what God recognized him as. He didn't recognize Gideon as a coward. He didn't recognize him in his fear and, and, and intimidation. No, look, God was calling him by the name in which he already saw him. Gideon looked at himself as a coward. And I got to do this threshing over here secretly. But God called him a mighty man of valor. I'm here to tell you, church, God is calling you the same tonight. You're not some weak little nobody, but you're the strong, the powerful bride of Jesus Christ in this hour. God is calling you by the name. He says, I no longer call you a church, but I call you a bride. And that bride's got power. It's not your power. It's his power. God was calling Gideon by the name in which he saw him. And God is calling you by the name in which he sees you, not how you see you. And what has he called you? An invincible army. I said, what has he called you? An invincible army. Not able to be defeated. Notice Gideon's reply in verse 13. And Gideon said unto the Lord, If the Lord be with us, then where all, why is all this befallen us? And where be all the miracles which our fathers told us? Saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And we notice many times, many of us have asked that same question. 
if God be with us, if God is blessing even like tabernacle, then why can't we get healed? Why haven't we received our healing yet? Why haven't we seen? Where are the miracles, Brother Joe? Brother Branham did this, this, and this, and this, and this, this, and this. So we wonder the same thing. But I want you to know the same signs, the same wonders, the same miracles, the same healings, the same deliverance, the same God is here tonight. Your prophet, my prophet may have left the scene, but God is still here. You want to know where the miracles are? They're right here. You want to look at the miracle? Jared Winter, stand up. That's a miracle right there. Oh, you're too busy looking for a physical manifestation. That's a miracle right there. A young man grew up in this church, went out in the world, got his life all wrapped around in drugs and alcohol and whatever. God knows what else. But yet God moved on the heart. That's a miracle. Oh, Brother Joe, where's all the miracles? Where's all the signs? Sister Lena, stand up. That's a miracle. Sister Karen, stand up. That's a miracle. Sister Mariah, stand up. That's a miracle. Drew Dexter, stand up. That's a miracle. He's the same God. He's the same God. You want to know where God is? He's here. Every service, God is here. But our minds drift off to what something else and what we're going to do after service and wonder why we don't see God because our heart's not in the service. Our heart's not in the worship. We're too worried about what we're going to do after service. Are we too worried about plugging our ears because the music's too loud? I'm going to tell you, get you a new set of eardrums. I tell you what, when I used to go to the bars, they cranked that junk up. I didn't go up there and say, hey, could you please cut this down? You know what you got to do? You may tell you a trick to listen to loud music. Get drunk. Oh, did you hear what I said? Because a drunker you got, the louder it got, and you didn't care because you had dancing shoes on. That's all you got to do in the light tabernacle. Get drunk on the Spirit of God. You'll say, turn that thing up. Play that organ, boy. Play that piano, Sister Lorianne. Brother Joe, you're just, you're just a little too wild for us. I know where I used to be. I know what he delivered me from. I can tell you one thing. The dance I dance here ain't the dance I dance there. Oh, it's completely different. Well, I'm afraid to dance because I was out in the world. You just allowing the devil to put one over on you. I'm afraid to sing. I'm afraid to play an instrument because I played it for the devil out in the world. You just allowing the devil to put one over on you. God created worship. God created the instruments. God created the dance. All to worship him. Oh, we find though Gideon, he brought his men. All right. Here he comes, 32,000 men. That's too many men. Got to narrow it down. Cut it down to 10,000. Well, that's still too many. They cut it down to 300. Boy, I, I got to have an army around me, Brother Joe. I got to have an entourage. When I come to church, I want everybody patting me on the back. Oh, let's, get, let's narrow this thing on down. 300. I love what the Lord told him, though. He says, okay, Gideon. It came to pass. This is in... Uh, Verse 9 here, I'm not sure what chapter. Let me go back and find the chapter. Judges 7 and verse 9. It came to pass as the night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down into the host, for I have delivered it into thy hand. But if thou fear to go down, go down with Pura, thy servant, down to the host, and thou shalt hear what they say. 
Oh, he's going to let the devil, he's going to let Gideon go down there and hear what the enemy, the Midianites, are saying about him. Oh, church, if you can only hear what they're saying in hell about Edenite Tabernacle. If you can only hear what they're saying about the young people, they won't relinquish, they won't bow down, they won't give up, they'll hold on to something. If you can only hear, church. Oh, go down there and thou shalt hear what they say, and afterward shall thy hands be strengthened. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, if you can only see the trembling of the devils. Oh, they're shaking at the sound of your name. He said, they'll go down and be strengthened to go down unto the host. Then went he down with Pura, his servant, unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for a multitude. And their camels were without number as a sand by the seaside for a multitude. And Gideon was come. Behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow. And he said, Behold... I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread trumbled into the host of Midian, and it came into the tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it, and that tent lay all along. And this fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, and a man of Israel. For into his hand had God delivered the Midian and all the hosts. And it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshiped and returned into the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered it into our hand, the host of Midian. Oh, church, I'm here to tell you tonight, you've already been seen as the overcomer. You've already been seen as the victor. What else do you got to hear? The devils are shaking. The devils are tripping because they know this bride will refuse to retreat. She's not giving up one inch of ground. But you've been called to be an overcomer. You've been anointed to overcome. Let me tell you, you've been anointed to destroy the devil's kingdom. We find here, Gideon tells him in verse 16, he divided the 300 men into three armies or three companies. And he put a trumpet in every man's hand. And he put empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said unto them, look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall you do. Only do what the prophet says. When I blow with the trumpet and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of the camp and say, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. So Gideon and a hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch and they had but nearly set the watch and they blew the trumpets and they break the pitchers that were there in hand in their hands and the three companies blew the trumpets and they break the pitchers and they held the lamps in the left hand and the trumpets in their right hands to blow with all and they cried the sword of the Lord and of Gideon and they stood every man in his place round about the camp and all the hosts ran and they cried and they fled and the 300 blew the trumpets and the Lord said every man's sword against his fellow even throughout all the hosts and the hosts fled to Beth Sheeta and Zerath and to the border of Abimola unto Tabat. What did God do? God caused a disturbance. Look, they, Gideon didn't raise one single sword, but he caused such a confusion in the devil's kingdom. And that's what he did this weekend. None of you fought, but he fought for you. 
to your name strikes terror in the regions of the lost. Your name. Brother James, your name. Man, when they say James Pilger, that devil gets to shaking. He said, that man's from New York. We know what he's about. But notice, Joshua, as I begin to bring this down to a close. Is that all right? Amen. You're the only one that said amen. Joshua 23, one man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God is he that fighteth for you as he has promised you. David had Gentile warriors. One man defeated 800. Another man fought until his sword cleaved to his hand. Another man jumped into a, a pit and slew a, a lion. We find that this is a time, church, to not relinquish, to not give up, but to press the battle. Don't give up. Don't quit. God will not fail you. Brother Bram would say it like this. He says, oh, warrior sons, you man here that claim to be a son, did you know that David represented? David represented Christ, and he was Christ, was a son of David. He says, now, these Gentile warriors, many of them, notice they come from everywhere, but they know that they was a fugitive, that that fugitive was anointed. They knew David was rejected by his own people, but they know the anointing was on him. And he said, oh, warrior, he said, who will pull the sword of God and say, I'm through with traditions? I'm coming back to the word. I'm coming back to the truth. See, it's the word, and God has given you the word in this hour. When you face your enemy, you can face him just like Jesus Christ faced him. He said it was written every time he faced the enemy. It is written, it is written, it is written. And the prophet of God will say it like this. He says, now every Christian in here can defeat Satan any place, any time, only on the word of God or the living God. All you got to do is say, thus saith the Lord, it is written. Oh, church, you can defeat Satan tonight with it is written. Because God has given you, thus saith the Lord. That's all that you have need of. If it's in the belly of a whale, if it's in a lion's den, if it's a bed of a cancer, if it's laying yonder bleeding to death in an automobile accident, the word of God will defeat Satan anytime, any place, anywhere, on any ground. It'll defeat him here tonight. It'll defeat him at school. It'll defeat him on the job. This word that we have, it will defeat your enemy anytime. On any grounds. Isaiah 54 and verse 17 says no weapon. No weapon. No fear. No depression. No cancer. No high blood pressure. No sugar diabetes. No heart trouble. No arthritis. No headaches. No weapon. That is formed against you. Shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the Lord and the righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Now, in closing, <coughs> Leviticus 26. You shall chase your enemies. Ye, not the preachers, but you shall chase your enemies. And they shall fall by your sword. Five of you, notice five of you shall chase a hundred, but a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. Your enemy shall fall before you by the sword. 
That word chase means to put to flight. It means to persecute. It means to harass. Aren't you sick and tired of being harassed by the devil? Come on, church. Do you just wake up every day and just love it? The Bible says that you shall chase. You shall put your enemy. He's tormented you. He's harassed you. He's persecuted you. And now he's given you the opportunity and the power and the position and the prescription to persecute him. One of you shall chase a hundred, but five of you shall chase, or five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall chase 10,000. Put them to flight. It's time that we put the enemy on the run. And Isaiah 30, verse 17 says, 1,000 shall flee at the rebuke of one. 1,000 shall flee at the rebuke of one. So this is the time not to quit. Romans 16 and verse 20. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. I said, the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. I'm going to ask you tonight, can he borrow your feet? Can he borrow your feet? Well, Joe, I'm not emotional like you. I'm not worried about that. I just want to know, can he borrow your feet? You ain't got to dance. You just got to stand up and say, Lord, you can have my feet. Because he just said, the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. Under your feet. Under your feet. What does footsteps mean? Possession. 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 I possess my enemy tonight. I possess. He can't possess me. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. He says, Satan. He said, God shall bruise Satan under your feet. You got something that you need from God. He's going to bruise it tonight under your feet. All you got to do is stand on the word. Stand on the promises of God under your feet. Oh, church, I'm going to take. He's still God. He's still reigning. He's still conquering. He's still winning. All he wants is your feet tonight. Shamgar killed 600 with an ox gold. Keep standing. We're about to close. Samson killed 1,000 with a jawbone of an ass. So, Brother Joe, I don't have a jawbone. I don't have an ox gold. But you know what you got? You got something greater. You got thus saith the Lord. Oh, I tell you, Shamgar would have loved to have thus saith the Lord. But he had an ox gold. Samson would have loved to have thus saith the Lord. But he had an ox. He didn't have an ox gold either. He had a jawbone of an ass. But you got thus saith the Lord. What are you saying, Brother Joe? I'm telling you, you got something they don't got. You got a testimony of what God has done for you. And what God is doing for you. And what God has done for your family. And the Bible says that they overcame him. By the word of God. By thus saith the Lord. And by the word of your testimony. That's how you overcome. That's how you stomp the devil. It's your testimony. It's your testimony. And it's God's word. I'm going to tell you, God's word can't fail. And when you take that word and you put it on your mouth, it's the same as deity speaking. Want the musicians to come. Brother Tim sent me this quote. I'm so glad he did. He says, you neglect to eat, you die. How many believe that? 
You neglect to turn a corner, you'll wreck. You neglect to milk a cow, she'll go dry. You neglect your teeth, you'll have to pull them out. Certainly, you pay for your neglection. He says, oh, Brandon Tabernacle, and you visitors, let me tell you something now. Let's just put it down to our day. Even like Tabernacle and you visitors, let me tell you something now. You neglect to testify of the glory of God. You neglect to give God the praise and glory. You'll find yourself cold, formal, and backslidden one of these days. You give God praise. I said you give God. I don't feel like it. He ain't worried about how you feel. You give God praise anyway. Refuse tonight, church, to retreat. Give God praise. Give God glory. Give God glory and honor and worship. He's doing your worship. He's doing your praise tonight. Let me just give a brief testimony of my own self. Many years I've been praying and praying and praying and praying and wondering about my ministry. Like, well, why can't I go full-time? Why can't I go full-time? I've been praying about going full-time, and I've been confused and wondering why I got to stay at the job. Why can't I go full-time? And, you know, things like that, and it's just constant. And a lot of the battles that I've faced in my own life is because of this one thing right here. Because I was concerned. I was worried. A part of me wanted to go full-time, but I was bound to a job. And I wasn't going to leave that job and leave my family stranded if God wasn't calling me to that. Well, Sunday evening after church... The ministers went out to Brother Tim's and sitting there, me and Brother Craig and Brother Doug and Brother Ron were just talking. Brother Tim was speaking to Brother Frank from Norway and we were just sitting there visiting and they had asked uh, Brother Joseph Hammond, he asked me, so are you still, you still doing the same thing? I said, yes, I've been there 19 years. And Brother Ron chimed up, he said, you know, he says, I read a story one time about a guy, he, gave, he was giving his testimony and this guy, he wanted to be a missionary. And he wanted to do so much, but he was gifted in the world of finance. And he knew that, or he didn't know, he just went into the way of the world of finance. And he said, over time, God told him, he says, I can do more with you on the mission field here than I could with you out there. And Brother Ross said, Brother Joe, when I heard that, when I read that testimony, I thought of you. And it just dropped down in my heart. I'm like, that's the key that I've been missing. Because I wanted to do something from God out there. And it just resonated. I can do more with you where you are in the position you're in than I can do with you out there. And it was just a simple piece. And from that point, I just, I'll tell you, it just dropped down. I was like, thank you, Lord. I have struggled within my own self for many, many years complexes over this one thing but God simply came and dropped the answer down in the most inopportune time but he positioned me right in a position right next to brother Ron so we could have that discussion and it wasn't even on my heart but God knew it was so I say that to say don't neglect to testify and I opened this service up by telling you God changed my thought for this service because I got off the phone with sister Bethany and I'm going to ask Sister Bethany to come, and she would. And I've already okayed this with Brother Tim to give a few testimonies tonight. So I want Sister Sarah Fields, Jessica Conroy, Brother Mike Dexter, Sister Bethany Dexter. And if we get through these and we've got enough time and time permitting, we may have a few others. 
But I want you to them to just come and share what God done for them this week. We serve a supernatural God. He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. Oh, church. I'm telling you, he can heal cancer. He can deliver whatever you have need of. He's still able. He's still God. Amen. It's just a bad thing. Just play something, just something soft. Brother Joe asked me to um, tell my testimony tonight, and I thought I'd write some words down since I'm not really a public speaker. So if you don't mind, I'll kind of read off of this. Um, as most of you know, I've had four miscarriages and also had frequent follow-ups with OBGYN and many different tests. On a recent test, I came back with some concerns of abnormal cells. Reports showed that I even could have precancer. I've had some other issues that come up as well, and I actually reached out to the doctor before the meetings, and they wanted to see me first thing Monday. At the end of Friday night service, we were praying in the church, and Brother Joe and Brother Craig stayed and prayed with people, and I went up for prayer, claiming my healing and claiming that report on Monday would be clean. Brother Joe asked if I wanted to sign for a box of rattlesnakes. I told him I absolutely would not. They both prayed a wonderful prayer with me and Michael, and I knew I was healed that night. Went through the prayer line just to be touched by God one more time. I felt like I was Miriam dancing as she looked back and saw all the devils floating around and her enemies, and I felt like those devils that have been tormenting me for two years were dead. I couldn't help but just overflow. So on Monday, I went to the doctor to follow up, and he said I had absolutely nothing to be concerned about, and everything looked completely fine now, and throw that old report away. So he says there shouldn't be any issues when we're ready to have another baby. So we're looking forward to another little one soon. And my two favorite sayings and quotes I'd like to leave with you tonight is, Satan, how a liar you are. And my God is doing extreme things. Okay, many of you that know me know I like to talk. <laughs> However, I do not like to speak in front of a lot of people, so I'm going to try to get through this um, without crying. So anyway, um, I, when Brother Joe asked me to give my testimony, I was um, kind of hesitant about it because I don't like speaking and I don't like to really talk about it. But I was like, you know what? This time I'm going to get up and I'm going to talk about it. Because the devil needs to be exposed. Because I have fought this demon for a very, very, very long time. And I'm a fighter. Many of y'all who know that. Like, I don't, I don't like to give up very easily. So, anyway, it started when um, Isabella was eight months old. I had witnessed to a girl at work and I was so excited. I had um, been talking about the Lord and I was like, you know, he's just so good and... 
I was witnessing to someone at work, and I walked up to my car, and I can remember it like it was yesterday. That darn devil told me, well, that's, I'm so glad you had a great day and that you were witnessing, but you're going to die tonight on your way home. Only a few people in this church know that that happened, but so I got in my car, and I started driving, and the devil once again said, you're not going to make it home. You're not going to make it home. And I believed that lie of the devil. And that was eight years ago. So for eight years, the devil has been tormenting me with anxiety. And I would gain a victory and then kind of like what Brother Joe was saying, and then I would just retreat. And so the devil knew that anxiety, fear, worry, those type of things like running my family. So he goes, you know what? I know you've been out in the world because there ain't nothing in this world that I want. I've already been there. There is nothing out there. There is no denomination that I want to be a part of. And I was like, you know what? He can't get me there. He knew that. So he decided he would attack my mind. And so anyway, over the past couple months, like two or three months, he's really been just attacking my mind, attacking my mind to the point that I was like, you know what? I don't even know if the message is for me. He had me so down. I was like, I don't know if this message is for me. And I even told my sister and... I was like, you know what, maybe, maybe I, I don't know what to do, you know, and I was like, I can't go out in the world because I've been in those churches, there's nothing there, so I was like, and I know the message is true, so I would just be a heathen, and so I started praying, and I'm like, Lord, I want you to reveal yourself to me, I want to know that I know that I know, and that was spoken from the pulpit during the meetings, and so I came into each service pulling so hard on each minister and just on the Lord. I was like, Lord, just speak to me. And I want to know that I know that I know that I am filled with your spirit and I'm your child. And so I went through each meeting and I was like, you know what? I know. I felt his spirit through each service, each service. So Saturday night, whenever they had the prayer line, I was like, you know, I'm going to go up. And I wanted to tell the ministers, you know, what my problem was. But I was like, no, I know what it is. The Lord knows what it is. So I'm just like, I'm going to raise my hand. I know what my need is. And so I was just, you know what, Lord, I want to know that I have you. And I want to know that this devil of anxiety is finished forever. I've, I've had enough of it. So I went through the prayer line and, you know, just expecting something from the Lord and I heard Brother Joe when I got through there saying something about you know this spirit or something that's been tormented after that I didn't know I just know that I was out and I was like I don't want it anymore I don't want it anymore that's the last thing I remember and I don't want it anymore and I will fight and I refuse to retreat that is it this devil of anxiety I will fight with everything within me because it will not come back again and I give God all the glory for giving me complete deliverance. Amen. Amen. Well, y'all know this is really nerve-wracking for me, so hopefully I can get through this. Ever since I was a very young child, I have dealt with horrible complexes and and fear and anxiety. It had gotten so point I was just tormented all the time. I would go to Walmart and I was just so afraid that someone was going to take the girls or, or harm us in some way. Like I was terrified if anyone knocked on the door that they were there to try to kill us. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but it was just constant torment. Uh, then with the complexes, 
it had gotten so bad that I hated going anywhere. All youth get-togethers, anything they had, I just hated going anywhere and talking to anyone because I just felt that everyone thought I was, everything I said was so dumb and, and that no one really actually liked me. And then Friday night, I'd come up here and I'm sure a lot of y'all saw Mariah chase me down to the altar. And at that moment, the devil was like, it's for everyone else, but it's not for you. You're a mom, and this is just how it's going to be. You're, you're just stuck with it. And I went to the nursery, and I just bawled, and I was just asking the Lord, why did he not want me? Why didn't he want me? Why, why couldn't I be free? And, and on the way home, I was just just praying in my heart that we would just get in a car accident and I could just die so Stephen could remarry and just have someone better than me. When we got home, Stephen was talking with me and and praying with me and and trying to get me to see who I was, but I I just couldn't see it. And I was just telling him that I'm tired of going back and forth with this and him just trying to talk to me and, and snap me out of it. So you'd say, I was telling him that I, I just needed the Lord to speak to me and be real to me and give me an anchor in my soul where I, there was no going back. Saturday night, I went through that prayer line, just determined, just, just to get something from the Lord. And Joe stopped me and he said things that he could not have known. And I, I had my breakthrough moment. I am so thankful for what the Lord has done for me. I've had so much hurt in my life. But that old devil, he will not stop my music. I am free. Oh, Oh, Satan, how a liar you are. Oh, he's nothing but a liar, church. You got to refuse to retreat, to give up ground. tell this story because it's just very strange to me. I'm not a person that has a lot of dreams. Uh, I I really don't. I don't have dreams much at all. And on Friday night, we had service, and you all know how wonderful it was. Um, As Bethany said, Brother Joe, Brother Craig had prayer with Bethany and I, Uh, and then we stayed late visiting out here. And after the service, or, or sometime during that evening, Timothy had asked me to lead the singing on Saturday morning, and uh, we kind of talked back and forth about it. I told him, you know, I don't, I don't have to lead the singing, Brother Timothy. I think you're doing a great job. And he said, no, I just really feel like you should lead the singing Saturday. And so we went to bed pretty late that night, and I set my alarm so I'd have time to prepare for the song service. And I woke up. Uh, early in the morning, I'd had a dream that night, and we were driving down the road to um, somewhere. We were driving down the road in what had to have been a hearse, and Bethany was in the front seat of the hearse, and somebody else was driving, but she was up front. I was in the very back, and there were, I don't know if I can describe it, but there were three coffins in the back, and there were two laying next to each other, And then there was one kind of sitting on top, almost like a triangle shape. 
And so I was riding in the back of the car with these three coffins, and uh, as we're driving down the road, they were just basic wooden coffins. They're not the kind that we have uh, a lot of times that are very ornate and have handles and things. These were just wood, wooden boxes. And the top slid off, and on the inside I saw just a really small baby there. And it had hair a lot like Drew's. It was just red-headed uh, child. And it looked like it was a newborn baby. It was a, a full term. And, you know, unfortunately, I've had to take care of children that have passed away before. And I know what they look like. It was a newborn baby. And so I was just really shocked <laughs> by the whole thing. It was very vivid that I was in the back of a hearse driving down the road with these three coffins. And as we're going down the road, um, it, it was like we hit a speed bump. Just, you know, when you're driving and you hit a speed bump too fast and the whole car just shakes. And so that's what it was. It was just a big bump. And uh, we went just past that. The car kind of evened out. And then there was this crying that was heard. And as we heard that crying, um, Bethany jerked around in the front seat and looked at me just in tears and frantic. And she said, what's going on? She said, we can't bury a living child. And I said, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening here. And so I, I slid the, the, the lid off that coffin and there was a living baby there. It was alive. And then we heard more crying and I kind of pushed that one over to the top of the one and the, the one underneath it, I lifted that lid and there was a baby in there that was crying. And so I looked out the window and we're pulling up down this road and there's just hundreds of cars. It was like everybody had come to see to, to be a part of this funeral. And uh, so there are just hundreds and hundreds of cars. And we pulled up to this place and I just jumped out of the car. Bethany jumped out and ran around to the back and I handed her the first baby. I handed her the second baby. And then I pushed that one over, opened the lid to that third coffin and there was a baby inside there and it was crying. And when I picked it up, it was very deformed. It had very mangled arms and very mangled legs. And I didn't know what to think. You know, the Lord had just raised up three children to life. And now one of them was a very mangled mess. And so something just struck me. And I looked at Bethany. She's holding two babies in her arms. And I'm holding this one. And I looked at her. And I, I said, the same God that just gave this child back his life is the same God that can straighten out its legs. It doesn't have to be in this condition. It's already been healed once, and so we're going to pray that it'll be healed again. And as, as soon as I said that, the arms just straightened out, and the legs straightened out, and it was perfectly well. And I just dropped to my knees crying. I didn't know what else to do, and I woke up. And I, like I said, I don't have dreams that I'm, I, I normally don't, and I just was so impacted by it. And I looked at my clock and my, I was woke up way before my alarm and I was just laying there. I couldn't go back to sleep, but it just affected me so bad. And I immediately thought of that story of that boat that I told Saturday morning of that boat that, that I thought they hit a log, but it was the presence of the Lord. And I thought, well, that's what happened in that car. It wasn't a speed bump. It was the presence of the Lord that came down. And so it was just burning in my heart that morning. I couldn't hardly, uh, I couldn't hardly talk to anybody. I couldn't hardly concentrate on anything. And so we went and had prayer with the musicians, and I came back to the back and um, was going to use the restroom, and there were kind of there were a lot of people in there. So I just walked into Brother Tim's office, and 
as soon as I walked in there, I just was overcome and just started crying. I said, Lord, I don't know what this means, and I don't know if it's something for us or something else, and I'm not here to try to pretend. I do know even right now what it means, but it was just such an overwhelming feeling that I didn't want to say anything to anybody. I just went back in there. We all prayed together, and I came out. We started singing, and I told the story, and I didn't think much uh, about it later on, but the, the dream was still burning in my heart. So we had uh, our fellowship meal and uh, different ones. I think Brother Andrew and some others asked me, did you see what Brother Tim, what was going on in the service with Brother Tim and Brother Ron? And what was happening? I said, I have no idea. And so I went in, in the back uh, office to check something uh, before the evening service. And Brother Craig was sitting back there by himself. And it was still just burning in my heart. I said, Brother Craig, I, can I tell you like a really weird story? <laughs> So I told him the dream, and he was just in, in awe, and he was in tears, and, and I said, I, I just don't understand it. I don't know what it could mean. And as soon as we were done talking, I went to get up, and Brother Ron walked around the corner, and he said, well, you're just the person I'm looking for. And I said, well, you're somebody I need to talk to. <laughs> and so he said, well, if you, he said, if you want to, let's come in here. And Brother Craig said, well, Brother Ron, I think you need to sit down for this one. And so I told him the whole dream, and as I'm telling Brother Ron, he's just in tears himself, crying. And he said, before the evening, before the morning service, and I don't want to go into all the details, I think Brother Tim may, uh, he said before the, um, before, the, you want me to go ahead with it? Before the morning service, he said, I, he said, I had to use the restroom, and he said, and there were people in that office, so I walked into Brother Tim's office, and this was right after I had been in there. And he said, the presence of the Lord came down so strong. And he said, something just overwhelmed me. He said, and he said, the angel of the Lord was in that room. And he said that the angel of the Lord spoke directly to me. And he said, today is Esther's day. And amen. So he said it, it so shook him, he didn't know what to say. <laughs> and he said he went out. He was the last one to come out on the platform that Saturday morning service. And he said, I went and I sat down by Brother Tim. And he said, I was just so overcome, I didn't know what to do. And he said, I finally, I just leaned over. I said, Brother Tim, the angel of the Lord just spoke to me and said, today is Esther's day. And he said, we both got very emotional with that and he said as soon as we did that you started telling a story and when you did you turned and you pointed right back there and you said that family has been praying for a child you can't make this stuff up <laughs> amen amen the lord is so good to us and esther was looking at me before the evening service, I went in the library and she looked at me and she said, Bethany told me about that dream. And she said, that's really, that's really good for you. Because I think, you know, we thought maybe it meant we're going to have triplets. We don't know. <laughs> and maybe it does. I don't know. But I looked at her and I badly wanted to say, you just don't even know. <laughs> but I said, yeah, 
yeah, I said it was pretty incredible. And so that evening, Brother Ron, you know, they had the prayer line, and I saw Esther come up to be prayed for, and I sent a message up to the booth, and I said, send Jeff down here, because I knew he didn't want to miss that. Amen. And Brother Ron told, you know, Esther the events of what had happened, and and there's a lot to that story that, again, I'm not going to get into. But all I can tell you is I don't know the real, the meaning of the dream. I don't know what it meant, but I know how the Lord used it. I know how he could take a situation like Bethany and I have had of many, many hurts and many wonders and questions that we've had of why things happen. Amen. But he does all things for our good. Amen. And even if that dream means nothing for Bethany and I, in terms of having three kids, that sounds like a lot of work. But if that's not what it means, if that entire dream was just to lead to a confirmation of what Brother Ron was told in the back room, then that's perfect for me. Amen. We just want to be willing. We want to be ready. Amen. And we want to open up and step into any door that the Lord opens. Amen. But we can say with all of our heart, amen, that he's a good God, isn't he? Amen. And he deserves all of our praise and our worship. Amen. So every praise is to our God. Every word of worship in one accord. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Oh, yes. 
You know, I've been reflecting about this whole weekend and this dream that Brother Mike had. And, you know, I remember when we went to Israel, we was on the Sea of Galilee, and the beautiful time there is looking over that sea and the different places that Jesus would have saw while he was on the boat and the area around there. And he'd, you know, wake up early in the morning for the sunrise because it was just rising across the mountains outside of our window and watch it come up over that sea. And Brother Tim one morning got up and he, he um, began to rejoice as he watched this, you know, just thinking of Jesus as he would have watched the same sun come up over the same mountains, over the same sea and begin to reflect on the scene that was before him and he began to think about the Lord and and the scripture came to him, and if you can put it up as Psalms, I believe 113 and 1. Just praise ye the Lord. Praise ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and His glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high, who humbleth Himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. He raises up the poor out of the dust and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill, that He may set him with princes, even the princes of His people. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. You know, as he read the scripture, a couple things, you know, jumped out at him. One, he was burdened for our brother Jeff to find the right job. You know, brother Jeff's been in a job that had kept him different swing shifts and kept him out of church. Wanted to be in the house of the Lord. Wanted to be with his family. And now today, he's got a good job. Amen. God's blessed him with the right job, and prayer has been answered. Two, he felt when Jeff was blessed with a job, God would perform his word and make Esther to be a joyful mother of children. And he shared that scripture with them on April the 28th from his hotel room in Israel and told them what the sunrise meant. It was a double promise with the sunrise, the S-O-N rise, for the needy and the barren. That morning for breakfast, he shared it. At breakfast, he shared the scripture with me. And I, I'll just tell you what happened. As he was reading that very same scripture, I seen Esther walk before me, a slim woman as she is, and go through the stages of pregnancy till she was holding a baby. This is not the first time I've told that. I've told that several times. But we was on that trip, we was to go to some places, go to Mount Sinai, and floods had changed the itinerary. And the last day, we get picked up at our motel room for our last day in Jerusalem. And the guide said, I got something special for you. He just didn't know how special. He said, I got something special for you. I want to take you to Shiloh. 
Shiloh, you know, just kind of on the spur of the moment, we wasn't really thinking all the details of Shiloh. We knew, uh, you know, as a Bible reader, you know, that's where the tabernacle was held. They say some 350-something years before it was moved, the temple was built in Jerusalem. And uh, But we get to Shiloh, and, you know, we've been all over Israel at this point. This is our last day, and all, every, almost every place we went, it was hundreds of buses and thousands of people. We get to Shiloh, we're the only bus pulling up. We're the only bus there, and we're kind of, you know, what's, what's this all about? And we get out, and before we know it, we're led up to this nice place on top of this hill. And, and they said, you'll begin to realize what is happening as you watch this film. And we're watching a film. His windows is a panoramic view looking over this valley. And these windows would change, and all of a sudden you'd not see the valley that was out there, but you'd see a movie and a film on Hannah. And where Hannah had come and prayed for a child, prayed for a child there, and Eli thought she was a drunk woman. You remember the story? And, 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 and she prayed for this child, and it would go from that, and it'd flash back, and you'd look down into the valley again, come back, and before, you, before it was over, you realize you're looking right down at the place where the tabernacle was placed. They found the diggings and all those things. And before we knew it, we're down at the very place where Hannah prayed. And as we're sitting there, you know, it's kind of overwhelming. I mean, we've been bawling our eyes out and crying to see where we're at. And, and then all of a sudden, we're taken down to the very spot. And I'm kind of sitting there bewildered for a moment, just trying to get my bearings. Like, what? how did this happen? You know, so quickly. And all of a sudden, I look at a banner hanging there. And it's 1 Samuel 2 and verse 1. It says, Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord. There is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceedingly proud. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge. And by him actions are ways. Bows of mighty men are broken. And they that stumbled are girded with strength. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread. And they that were hungry cease. So they, that the barren hath borne seven. And she that hath many children is waxed feeble. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raises up the poor out of the dust and lifts the beggar out from the dunghill to set them amongst princes to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars are the earth of the Lord and he set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints. And the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength to his kings and, and exalt the horn of his, of his anointed. You know, as we, stu as we stood there, Begin to say, I looked, I pointed at that banner and I said, I poked dad and I said, Do you realize that some Psalms 113 has those same words of Hannah's prayer in it? And here we are standing at the very place. And Brother George Martin, our tour guide, he said, Well, let's just, we got about, I think we had nine or so ministers that was there on that tour. He said, Let's just grab hands together and pray. And we prayed. And we, we, Lord willing, we'll hear it in just a minute, but we prayed. 
Brother Tim, he led in prayer. Brother George asked our pastor to lead. He prayed specifically for three women. Esther, Candace, and a barren church. Three queens. You know, Sister Bethany and Brother Mike have experienced four miscarriages, not three. She's not a barren woman. She has, she has children. Or willing she wants some more, God to grant that, I believe. We prayed for three barren women. You know, Brother Tim said, I rejoice for Brother Ron Spencer over the two barren women who in his church were prayed for and God promised them children and even gave him the name of his grandchild. He would see the vision at our camp there of Whitney and the little boy pray for her later in the prayer line. Both ladies would go to the, as we heard this weekend, would go to the doctor at the same time, have the pregnancies confirmed at the same time. However, knowing God had done for them, he said only whetted his appetite for desire in his heart. He prayed for that in our October meetings that God would speak again. And as we heard on Saturday morning, as the ministers were going to the restroom, Brother Mike would use the office and, 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 and the most, you know, most unusual feeling that come over overwhelmed, begin crying. A few minutes later, Brother Ron would go in and he testified the angel of God met him there and said, tonight is Esther's night. When he came to the platform, he took a chair next to mine and told Brother, Brother Tim about it. And in the prayer line, here they would come. Candace would come to the line through with Andrew. Brother Ron said, you feel like you've been forgotten, like God keeps passing over you and going to others, but you're not forgotten. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then Esther came through the line, and we know as she began to dance across this place. But when he heard the dream, he said, I begin to try to understand it. These are our ponderings, three dead babies, three barren womans that were prayed for. A bump. Sometimes, you know, we look at something that's shaking, and we think, well, it's just a, a, you know, a speed bump, or we misunderstand it. But it could be the angel of God bumping our boat. Those dead... <laughs> A bump, we were, we were here dodging the deadheads, as, as Sister Biscoe would call them, deadheads. Those deadheads of the message who, used, who would try to sink the boat and cause the birth of stillborn babies without emotion and no life. The bump that was not a deadhead, however, the bump was the angel of God saying, this is Esther's moment. Three live children. The third live but hideously twisted. But with the child of the church comes a miracle working power of Almighty God. I don't know how we're going to be able to grasp all of this, but I'm so excited to see what God has in store. Amen. To know that the symphony's playing on. This hurt will never stop our music. Hallelujah. You may think you're going through something tonight. You may have been bumped a little bit, but it might be just God arranging your battle. God arranging the moment for the enemy's defeat. God arranging the time for you to rise up victorious. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Brother Joe, we're not retreating. 
We're not giving up. You say, when's it going to happen? I, that's not up to me. That's up to God. But I know he's going to do what he said he would do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, oh yeah, let's just praise God. Hallelujah. When's the rapture going to take place? I don't know, but I know he said it would happen. I'm going to be here when it happens. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Let's take a moment. We stand in this place, an ancient place, where many sacrifices went up, many prayers were prayed. Lord, as they went up unto you with the, even the sweet smelling uh, uh, ointment of the Lord, it raised up the cloud into heaven. Lord, even today we stand here with the true sacrifice, the true blood of the true Lamb. And we today offer a prayer. Lord, we bring it before you, Lord, the needs of your people. Lord, we pray for the barren women. Lord, we think about those in our church of Esther and Candace and the others, even Bethany, who's been trying to have another child. Lord, today, in the name of Jesus, we ask, Lord, as we send forth your word from this place, Lord, will you answer prayer before and you answer prayer again, Lord Jesus, but not only for that, Lord. We would pray for a barren church. Lord, oh God, that you give birth to that Messiah. Lord, oh God, that the coming of the Lord Jesus would be manifested, Lord. In Jesus' name, for the glory of God, may your presence, Lord, be so real in our midst. And we know that our prayer has been answered. Lord, because you are truly Elohim, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So today we glorify your name and we thank you in advance that this has taken place. Today, Lord, we claim our promises in the name of Jesus Christ. Speak for the word of life to the barren wombs and ask the Holy Spirit to go to, to even to the barren hearts that need Christ. Our lovers that are lost, that are, that are driven out of sin. May, oh God, that the of that heart give birth to a pregnancy of the Holy Spirit that informed would be in their hearts, Lord. Oh, God, would be life that would come by the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the seal of God, would seal to the day of redemption. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Won't you just lift your hands and give God praise? Oh, yes, right now for answering the needs of situations. Hallelujah, faithful God, a wonderful God, a glorious Father. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for answering prayer. Prayers that went up, Lord, you answered. Father, you come and met our needs and our situations. To God be the glory. Father, as we begin to thank you already, Lord, for the barren hearts, 
the prodigals, Lord, the family members, Lord, the Lord, those that are out and wayward away from you, we begin to send the word of God. Oh, Holy Spirit, begin to dawn upon them, Lord. Draw them to you, Father, I pray. Jesus, we ask these things, God, because we believe. Lord God, we may be, Lord, not knowing what we're facing and, Lord, seem to be shook for a moment, but, God, may we realize you've got it all in control. Lord, it's not our enemy. It's not, Lord, he, he has no control over anything, but it's just the God of heaven, the God of angels, the God of warriors, Lord, that is arranging the battle, not for our defeat, but for our victory, not for our downfall, but for our rising up, not for our going down into the grave, but for our ascension into the heaven of heavens and the glory of glories. God, we praise you tonight, Lord. Truly, you're worthy, Father. Thank you for what you've done among us, Lord. And truly from our hearts, Lord, we will not give up. We will not retreat. We will not turn around, but we will come and we'll grab a hold of every promise of God. We will obtain everything that you have given to us. Lord, we will hold the promises for they are yea and amen. And Lord, we will not give them to the devil. In Jesus' name, we pray these things and we glorify your name. Amen and amen and amen. We're going to ask the choir to come. Amen. Let's just sing and worship together for a moment. Amen. God is a way maker. He's a miracle worker. Is he not? Have you witnessed that? Have you seen that? Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Let's just sing it together with our choir and worship the Lord and just say, Lord, when I didn't see a way, you was a way maker. Oh, and I felt the bump. You was a miracle worker. A God of miracles. Hallelujah. I worship you. 